0: What that does is it bubbles up into ratings for every article, but also for the authors and outlets themselves. So what we're really creating here is kind of this track record for every article, author, and outlet producing news online today.
1: As more and more news content is added to the digital stream, it becomes harder and harder to determine who and what you can trust. At the same time, enterprising entrepreneurs are stepping up with solutions for news consumers. Today, we talk to one of them. I'm Michael O'Connell. This is It's All Journalism. Chase Palmieri was first on our podcast way back
2: in May 2017, talking about Tribeworthy, which was then billed as Yelp for News Consumers. He was the company's CEO. Since then, Tribeworthy has undergone a change, and it's now Credder. So welcome back to the podcast, Chase. Thanks for having me back. So a lot's changed since we last spoke. So tell me about what's happened to Tribeworthy and now this new version
0: so yes we used to be Tribeworthy. we've since rebranded to creditor as part of our financing round when we rose our angel round of investment from some top silicon valley investors and since then we've been able to expand the team the three co-founders who are all still with us are now finally able to work full-time and and pay ourselves to do so and we have more product lines and uh, just a, a better product experience in general And more users and journalists using the site than we ever have before.
2: So just to refresh everybody's uh, memory about what Tribeworthy is now, Credder is, you know, how would you describe Credder? What does it do?
0: So what we essentially are doing at Credder is we believe that news should compete for trust, not clicks, which is unfortunately what we see in a lot of today's online news landscape. And so what we've created is a platform where journalists can come review articles under a critic category and the public can review articles under a user category. And what they're doing is they're essentially reviewing how much they trust individual articles. And it's more than a simple five star. If they don't trust something, they have to pick out an exact reason why they distrust an article. And what that does is it bubbles up into ratings for every article, but also for the authors and outlets themselves. So what we're really creating here is kind of this track record for every article author and outlet producing news online today.
2: So I seem to remember when we spoke before that it, you know the the ratings were strictly sort of public, but now we have this layer of uh, journalists who are rating stories as well. Is that something new? Something that you recently implemented?
0: Yeah. When we spoke, we were still in the very, very early days of our product. We were essentially more of a project than a company at that point. We were simply trying to figure out if reviewing the news was possible and if news consumers were interested in doing so. And luckily, people are interested in doing it. And what we found is that journalists are also interested in doing it. And so following kind of the Rotten Tomatoes playbook, we went ahead and created those two separate rating categories where you have the critic category of journalists that we verify here by hand and then the public so that anybody can come and review under the user category.
2: Yeah, so how do you decide which journalists are going to be doing your reviewing and how do you sort of implement that?
0: So right now we let any journalists that meet our critic requirements come and get verified by us and then go ahead and start reviewing articles. We have those critic requirements laid out on the site. But they're basically just that you need to be working for a publication. You need to be a full-time journalist. But most of all, you need to be creating and writing articles yourself. Because what we want to do, as soon as we're able to, is to stop deciding who's in that critic category and just take the top authors from our own credit leaderboard and let that be the deciding cutoff for who gets to review as a critic on the site. So that way, the authors themselves that are writing really great articles that are getting reviewed by users, those authors that get rated and are are on the leaderboard, those will be the ones that get to review as critics.
2: How many people do you have uh, reviewing uh, your site, both critics and the members of the public? So
0: we have about 5,000, 6,000 users right now. We just launched a month and a half ago um, with our newest version of our platform. And we have about 300 journalists on the platform. So any given day, it, it can fluctuate. But we're at a point now where when an article gets posted, by the end of the day, it's going to have a rating.
2: Okay, so when somebody goes to the website, what is it they're going to see?
0: So when you go to credder.com, and that's C-R-E-D-D-E-R.com, what you'll see is a homepage of articles. Now, we pull some of those articles, but anybody can post any article they want. So it's really just any articles that anybody would like to see get reviewed. Those are on the homepage, and next to those articles, unlike anywhere else that you would be getting your news, you actually see a rating of what level of trust, the percentage of news consumers' trust in that article.
2: And so how many ratings does a article have before you start to see results on a particular story?
0: Yeah, so we create a uh, threshold of three reviews before any kind of rating shows up. That way it takes at least three users for a rating to occur, and we're going to extend that threshold as our user base grows. But for now, we've found that it, about three reviews is a good threshold before we show a rating.
2: As you said, it's kind of early days. You just really kind of launch this iteration of it. You know, I was on the site today, and I was looking at some of the ratings. And, and there were a number of stories that were, that were there that you know maybe had – had some journalist reviews, but didn't have any, you know, reviews from the public and vice versa. And then when you go to the listing of the individual reporters, which, you know, you would hope that they, you know, they reach a sort of threshold in, in the ranking, that, that there are many who, who don't have any ra- positive or negative ra- ratings showing yet. So I'm assuming you're, you're guessing as more and more people come to the site that this stuff is going to fill up.
0: What we're doing there is if we wanted to show the author ratings, we could, but we're trying to be a little bit more respectful of these authors and make sure that we hit a, a kind of a threshold of reviews and ratings before we show their rating. We would hate to just have one or two people review an author negatively and then that rating to go up publicly for everyone to see. So so we're kind of hurting ourselves, actually, by holding off on showing those ratings, but that's because when we do start showing them, they're going to be much more accurate.
2: Okay. Have you heard back from any publications or any any authors about how the stories are being rated?
0: Yeah. What we're actually kicking off next month is our partner program. So we're talking to publications and authors every day. And what the partner program is going to be is we're going to be handing over a code snippet to publishers, that they can attach at the bottom of their articles so that it shows this button that says review article with creditor. and that will be able to send their own readers to review that rating page on our site so that that way it's similar to a restaurant that would prefer to have their own clients and maybe their regulars reviewing the restaurant. So we're gonna allow publishers to include that button at the bottom of their articles. So we're integrating as much with publishers as possible.
2: So, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention maybe a little earlier was the fact that you actually, you didn't start as a journalist or something, you were a student and actually you're working at your family's restaurant and you saw sort of the impact that Yelp reviews had on your restaurant and and restaurants around yours. Are you seeing this sort of bear out, you know, or is it still kind of too early to see that?
0: No, you're absolutely right. I came at this idea more from an entrepreneurial standpoint I have my degree in entrepreneurship, and I've run businesses, including, like you said, my family restaurant. And I've always been a very avid news consumer, and it was by working on my restaurant's Yelp page and kind of seeing that customer feedback that I realized, oh, this is what's missing in online news today. News consumers have no way of reviewing the news producers, and so the news producers have no way of knowing when they're losing their audience's trust. And we also have no sense of a track record for all of these uh, different authors and outlets that are creating the news. So that was sort of the impetus for why we wanted to try to create a Yelp for News Consumers or or a Rotten Tomatoes for News in the first place. And we're definitely seeing that this, this feedback is helpful to the publishers. In fact, we created a case study that's available on our website. It's a case study based on our private beta when we had all of our reviews and data, and we've shared some of those insights with publishers.
2: What type of information were you able to glean through that beta? So
0: a lot of it is information and insights around how users or readers are losing trust in a particular article. And we have a, there's a swath of different reasons why, but in many cases, it has to do with an inherent bias in the headline, a sensational headline. Um, but then when you get into the article itself, what we see is that news consumers really just want you to present the information that is available and just list it out in a chronological or factual way without the author's opinion inserted every other sentence. And so there's a lot of things like that, as well as on an article-to-article basis for the publishers and authors, they can actually see the readers pointing out specific fallacies or biases or mistakes that they're finding within their articles.
2: So, do you, you know, having having looked at this, are, are you seeing the things that people are more objecting to are, are instances of bias, or maybe just poor reporting or bad reporting?
0: The two biggest right now are the different biases. So a political agenda bias is being identified in a lot of these articles, as you could imagine. Um, but the fallacies is a surprisingly large category as well. So that could be a straw man, for example, an author is, is writing about a story and misrepresenting the other side's position, uh, which happens a lot in today's news, unfortunately. So straw man fallacies are identified a lot. Speculation when an author presents the facts, but then goes ahead and maybe takes it a little too far and starts speculating as to what's going to happen next. Mostly news consumers want the information, but they lose trust in the article itself when they see the author going kind of beyond that.
2: Now, I I know one of the things that, you know, in these conversations about trust in media and fake news, et cetera, a lot of the criticisms that, that people will put against a particular news organization is sometimes they'll present An article that that may not be identifying itself that is actually an opinion piece. Are you strictly? Is there any way for you to, you know, because it's unfair if somebody starts, you know, gigging gigging somebody for, you know, opinion piece because it's biased because maybe they're arguing a particular side. Do you make any distinction between something that's editorial opinion content as opposed to just a, a, a news article?
0: Yeah, we actually ran into this problem in the earlier days when we were still tribeworthy, And that was because at the time we had a selection that was opinion piece. We've since changed that button to pure opinion. The reason for this is what we're seeing is that authors can get away with stating their opinions in the pieces and still be considered trustworthy. But they have to provide evidence to support their opinion. So an author that you know, states their opinion but then follows it up immediately with a couple sources and quotes and evidence that, that suggests that that opinion is accurate, they're actually still perceived as trustworthy. It's the ones that are kind of pushing in their pure opinion and not providing any evidence to support it that are actually losing trust.
2: Or even maybe ignoring facts from the other side or, or something that would, would uh, sort of shoot down their argument.
0: Absolutely. And that would be our stacking the deck fallacy when an author is only providing evidence from one side of the argument.
2: So first, let's talk about the journalists who are involved in it. What type of journalists are coming in and doing the, the reviews for your site?
0: So we actually have journalists from you know all the major publications. The ones that are the most active these early days tend to be from more independent outlets. And the reason for that is that we are featuring the Twitter handle next to all of these journalist reviews. So we're trying to create the incentives in place for these journalists to want to leave reviews on these articles as a way of actually building up their own audience. So, for example, a journalist writes a, a nice piece, and then another journalist can come in and add context or, or leave a really thoughtful review. And actually start to kind of siphon off new followers to their own content just because they left a really thoughtful and helpful critique on that article.
2: I remember that when you know you reached out to me the first time with Tribeworthy, I, I was a little hesitant to talk to you about this because I was I was concerned that something like this, where this idea you know it was kind of pitched as as Yelp for news, this idea of You know, this would be something that, you know, that various factions would suddenly get on and and sort of swing – opinion one way or other on a particular story, just based on the fact that they disagreed with whatever the article was about. It could be an incredibly factual story. It could be a very scientific story. If it contradicted whatever their particular beliefs were, they, they would try to, you know, game the, the ratings to, to sort of support their own beliefs. Is, is that something that, that's ever been a problem with you? Or is that something that you've found ways to, to deal with?
0: Yeah, it's never been a problem because we knew that it would be a problem if we didn't address it head on in the early days. And so there's a few ways that we mitigate these types of things. The first is that you aren't just simply leaving a five-star review like you are on Yelp. It's not uh, as subjective as that. What you're doing is you're saying, this is how much I trust this content. And then if you don't trust it, you have to label something very specific as to why. So for example, you know, a stacking the deck fallacy or uh, a political bias. And then your reviews are actually subject to voting from other reviewers. And so that actually creates a rating for the reviewers themselves, which ties into their own scores. So the reviewers are also held accountable on our site, and that's really important to us. The other thing that I'll say about that, though, is that It's true there are going to be political divides on our site. There are going to be people from the left that maybe are are less prone to trust an article written from a right-wing outlet or vice versa. And what we've been doing is obviously paying very close attention to how this plays out. And what we're seeing is that an article that's written, say, on a controversial political story, if it simply provides the facts... Nobody from the left or right wing uh, political uh, finds anything wrong with the article, and it actually slips through as a high trust rating. It's the articles that put their political bias into the pieces that end up getting hit from one side or the other. And that's actually a good thing, in our opinion, because what we want is for the articles that are simply reporting the facts to be agreed upon from anybody in any political uh, ideology to agree, okay, this is an article that's worth my time and worth consuming.
2: Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the site now. Uh, I clicked on uh, one of the stories that has 100% trust from uh, from critics, and, and that's a, it's a story from Pro, ProPublica, which a lot of people I think kind of admire that organization, uh, uh, the journalism that they do. Uh, and, and then if you go in and you look at the various You have sort of a ranking of the various outlets, and it's, you know, the usual subjects towards the top, you know, the the New York Times, the Washington Post, etc. You know, my trepidation at the beginning and originally talking to you, you know, I'm really happy to see that this this has kind of progressed. At the same time, you know, I recently spoke to uh, someone who's uh, a, a journalist who's involved in something called NewsGuard. Which is a group of journalists who are or are, are sort of similar, do, trying to do a similar thing, sort of giving uh, you know a good housekeeping type you know credit to a, to a website to say that this is a good this is a good trusted website. Are you seeing more you know entrepreneurs, more organizations out there who are trying to do something uh, like what you're doing?
0: Um, I think NewsGuard, and I'm glad you brought them up. I think they're really the only new player on the scene that's uh, serious about building product and, and actually sticking around in this space. You know, there's only in any new space or any new problem that's emerging, there's going to be people that are somewhat opportunistic and trying to jump in. But, but in many cases, nobody besides NewsGuard has actually tried to build something that people can use. We ourselves have a very, very different approach than NewsGuard. So NewsGuard is hiring their own staff of journalists, who they then have go around and rate news outlets. And essentially, they're not allowing news consumers themselves to participate in any way. And that's one thing that we think is one of their big shortcomings, because if you're going to build a solution that news consumers trust, we believe that they need to be able to participate in that solution. And the other thing is that rating the outlets themselves isn't actually that helpful. What's more helpful is... What we're doing, which is allowing the individual articles to get rated as well as individual authors, especially with the, what we see to be the future of news where individual authors are their own brands and news consumers go straight to individual authors. We don't see these kind of red, yellow, green labeling of outlets to be that nuanced or helpful.
2: No, I, I was really kind of curious as to what the difference between the two, or what you thought the differences are between the two. I think there definitely is value in having the consumer involved in this decision making in the process, because then we kind of get back into, you know, the old problem with you know news news outlets in general trying to basically control, you know, the opinions and uh, the content, and not sort of allowing that that opportunity to have that give and take with the audience so where do you see this going what you what, what would you hope in you know three five years what, what would you hope for creditor and what people would be able to get out of it
0: in the long term we would love to become the starting point for news because what we do is we always direct the users on our site to the actual articles themselves on the publishers websites But instead of just getting whatever news or first headline you see in your Facebook news feed or whatever somebody sends to you on Twitter being the story that you read on that subject, we'd love for news consumers to start at Credder and decide what stories they're interested in and then be able to actually see, okay, I'm interested in this story but this is the article on this story that is the most trusted by all my fellow news consumers. Why don't I, if I only have 15 minutes to spare, read this article? And so we'd love to become the jumping off point for news in general.
2: Okay, so I'm a consumer. Maybe I'm not necessarily interested in rating stories. Maybe I'm interested in using your website or in finding your content. How do I go about it? What's the best approach for me as a reader who who wants to find out if what the good news of the day is. And also, is there an ability for me to, you know, if there's a story I'm reading and I'm not sure if it's, it can be trusted or not, is there a way for me to verify that on your website?
0: That's a great point. In fact, 99% of users on Yelp and Rotten Tomatoes don't actually contribute to leaving the reviews. The, the vast majority of users on those platforms are actually just coming to reference the reviews and ratings that other people have left we expect something similar on our platform as for your use case of how you would kind of interact with creditor. There's a couple ways you could do it. You could come to creditor.com and, you know, find articles on the homepage or let's say that you came across an article that you're wondering whether or not you should read, you know, maybe you check it out and it looks like it's going to take you 20 minutes. Well, for the first time ever, you would actually be able to come to creditor, go to our search, just plug the URL or the headline in of that article, and right away you would pop up the rating information that other news consumers have left. And and that gives you a sense of whether you should spend the next 20 minutes of your life actually diving into that article. So hopefully we're saving news consumers time. But long-term, the real use case, the best use case we have is with our Chrome browser extension. And so what's cool about that is you would come to Credder just once You would download that extension, and now anywhere you go on the web, when you land on an article or an author or an outlet that has a rating in our database, we would be able to display a notification of that the second you land on it, so that you never actually have to come to Credder again, and we can be there to show you what other news consumers are saying about that piece of content as you land on it.
2: So tell me a little bit more about the business side of of Credder, what, you know... You've got some backing, you're you're growing it. What future things you want to be working on?
0: Yeah, so as far as future products, we want to make sure we have a extension for every type of browser. And we have an iOS app, but we want to make sure we get an Android app as well. So as far as the product side of the business, we want to make sure we're removing as much friction as possible. And the only way to do that is to have a product for every different variation of our platform. And then on the business side, we are pre-revenue, so we have not turned on our revenue models yet, and we don't want to until we have a larger user base. But what we are going to be doing as soon as we are able to is we will license these ratings to third-party platforms like Facebook and Twitter and Google so that they can actually display the ratings of the content on their own site. And hopefully it will help them kind of fight the losing battle of censorship and and the attacks over fake news that they're getting on a daily basis right now. So licensing the ratings is one revenue model, but the other is we believe in a future where the news consumers can support their favorite authors and outlets directly. And so on these public author and outlet rating pages, we're going to allow people to go ahead and leave a one-off or monthly recurring tip to them, for which we will take a small percentage off the top, kind of like a Patreon for news.
2: Cool. That's a really neat idea. I haven't, I haven't heard that in this type of uh, scenario. But my, the last thing I want to ask you is, you know, I know the name's Kretter, which rhymes with cheddar. Tell me about the, the cheese that you have on your uh, website. What's the deal with that? Yeah,
0: the cheese is, uh, it, it kind of serves a couple purposes. So As I mentioned, we kind of think of ourselves as a Rotten Tomatoes for news, partly also because that was the original concept, but also because our first advisor in the company was the CEO and former founder of Rotten Tomatoes, Patrick Lee, who's been working with us since day one. And what we really want to do is differentiate ourselves in the space by being a little bit more of a playful brand. We don't want to make it look like we take ourselves too seriously because, again, ultimately our goal is to build trust amongst news consumers, and part of that is a little bit of uh, authenticity and character in the brand. We are a little bit close to the cheddar brand and name. Our logos are very different, and the name is different in the sense that cheddar is literally about cheese, whereas we are about cred as in credibility. So we could always change our gold icon at any time if we wanted. But what you're referring to is that we have a, a golden cheese icon for articles that get rated as 70% or higher. And then we have a moldy cheese icon for articles rated below that. And that's really more just a, to help people understand that we're similar to Rotten Tomatoes in the form of their golden tomato and their splat tomato icons
2: okay yeah and make it a little fun make it give you some sort of visual variety and a shorthand for people to understand what's good and what's bad what smells good and what smells terrible i guess exactly yeah what stinks anyway thanks again for reaching out to me
1: chase it was great uh, catching up with you thanks for coming on the podcast
0: thank you so much
1: michael you've been listening to it's all journalism a weekly podcast about the people who make the news You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to create an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped with our booking. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.